Sometimes in tabletop games, and the world, especially in its current state, you can't get a group together to play. So you turn to the solo game, with a huge selection to choose from. There are tons of different ways to play. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk to Jordan, or Hypnos, about their game and the Gunslinger Fallen. In this solo journaling tabletop role-playing game, hunt down your enemy as they flee across the desert in this Dark Tower-inspired world. We talk about solo games, starting out, and Jasper's game day. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I'm here with Jordan, or Hypnos, and their game, and The Gunslinger Follows. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, honestly, uh, happy to be here. I think you're the the first person to message me and invite me to something, rather than me asking (laughs) to be on something. You know what, though? It's, I really like The Dark Tower, and this game definitely has some influences from there uh mm-hmm. and i've never i'd never looked at a solo game before so i'm really excited to talk about this and learn a little bit about that i told you before we started actually i picked it up because i was so interested so mm-hmm. i'm i'm excited to hear more about this game yeah before we get started though jordan can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself sure i'm jordan or Hypnos, um, as I'm known pretty much exclusively uh, on the <laughs> internet, um, which started purely because I like Hades. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, my profile picture on Twitter is art of Hypnos from the Hades video game. Oh, I thought I recognized it. I just couldn't <laughs> place it. <laughs> um, yeah, I make... Sh- short indie games on itch.io and um that's uh, about it well that's still good to hear i'm a little bit embarrassed i didn't pick that up i love that game (laughs) (laughs) so we're here to talk about and the gunslinger followed can you tell the audience a little bit about what this is yeah sure um and the gunslinger followed is a Dark Tower-inspired supernatural Western solo role-playing game. It's a, it's a journaling game inspired mostly by the, the very first book, The Gunslinger, mm-hmm. also where the title of the book <clears throat> of the game comes from. And it's basically just prompts of random events that happen as your Western archetype chases the cowboy across the desert that's what i find interesting because i personally didn't really know what a journaling game was prior to this i've played two rounds actually so once (laughs) once we finish this up i actually think i'm going to finish it up because i was really enjoying that (laughs) so could you explain a little bit about how a journaling game works or a solo game in this format works yeah sure so this specific format was honestly the only one I knew of when I started making this solo game and basically it's just um, you get a random prompt or you get some kind of like event that happens to your character um, and you write from the point of view of that character and how they act sometimes there's a dice system sometimes it's just based entirely on how you feel about the fiction this game does have a dice system um 
that is I got it from a Twitter thread that was where it was heavily blackjack inspired. Okay. Um and yeah, you're just writing from the point of view of your character um and how they react and what you think the consequences are, that kind of thing. And it's just five separate prompts and then the final showdown with the cowboy. Yeah, it's really straightforward and it only takes about an hour to run through a game. Yeah. Yeah, I I've played <laughs> I play tested it uh while at work using dice bots <laughs> on my phone and live tweeted all of my journaling and that took about 45 minutes to play through it once. Oh wow. So for people who are interested, could you kind of explain a little bit about how the dice system does work in this game? Sure. So it's a, a degree of success system where um, a one is an outright failure, and then it's uh, a two through a f- two through a four, I think, is success with a complication, and then a five and a six is a straight out success. When you roll a die, you can choose to roll a second six-sided die and add the two results together. Anything above a six is considered just a straight-up failure. So you want to land in that five to six area, um, but if you go over, it goes back to just a straight-up failure. So there's kind of a push-your-luck thing with the... um, You can land in that success with a complication area and decide whether or not, do I want to stick with this and get a good and a bad thing, or do I want to do I want to see if I can push it just a little bit farther and get just a full success? Okay, so that's where that blackjack inspiration comes from, that yeah, taking another and trying to stay under the target. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Obviously, this game is inspired by the Dark Tower series. Mm-hmm. You even mentioned that the name, specifically the first book, it's it's a direct reference to one of the very first lines in the story, actually. What other inspirations kind of help build out this game? Um. Well, I'm also just a big fan of traditional westerns alongside the supernatural westerns of the Dark Tower. Um, and I'm sure the place that you can see that best is in the character archetypes, the different yes. playable characters. The Gunslinger and the Kid are very Dark Tower, um, but yep. the other four, or the uh, three others, not the Witch, but three of the others are very Western, because we've got the Badge, the Doctor, mm-hmm. and the Preacher, um, who are all just very standard Western uh, archetypes. Western, yeah. And then there's the Witch, which is an original for you, right? Yeah. It. I wanted to lean a little bit more into the supernatural aspect because there were some hints at magic in the events, and it. Some of the prompts basically just state that the cowboy knows magic, but it never really elaborates okay. on that much. And so I decided uh, okay. a magic using archetype could be kind of interesting. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. We've been talking a little bit about those could you actually explain the the archetypes and how that affects your your journaling and how it affects play sure so the archetypes are mostly a role play thing 
um, they're mostly just to affect the the point of view that you're taking, how you think a character in that archetype would would act in certain situations. Um, mm. But they do give they give two bonuses. They give a static plus one to any roll where you're doing this thing, like the gunslinger gets a plus one bonus when he is fighting with a gun. That makes sense. But yeah. they also get um, one ability that lets them just to decide something in the fiction. Um, because the inspired by the Dark Tower, the gunslinger comes from a gunslinger order. He's the last yeah. or one of the last of this order. And throughout the books, you see him bring out techniques and things sort of close to magic that you never would have expected him to do. I believe at one point mm. in the books, he hypnotizes somebody with a cartridge. Yes. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to do something like that. So I gave the gunslinger uh, an ability of just like only once in, in this playthrough, you get the chance to just decide something that you learned from your gunslinger order and do it. Mm. And there's no role associated. It just happens. Okay. The big thing to to remember in the solo games is that you're really playing against yourself. So it's yep. limiting your character based on what they would do then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole point of a solo game, especially a journaling game, is kind of just tell a story. Um, even more so than big collaborative games, it's that you know, you're in full control of the rules. If you decide that something in the rules doesn't fit or you don't like it, you just don't have to do it. That's a really interesting mentality when you're playing the solo game because I think back to when I was younger and maybe if I was playing something, I would just be like, well, that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And this kind of style of game kind of allows for that. Yeah. Based on the narrative you're telling then, right? Yeah. Um, it's supposed to just, this game specifically at least, supposed to just tell one overarching story, events that happen while you travel from point A to point B. That's So if something comes up and you decide, I don't like that, or I don't want my game to include that, anything like that, you can just say, uh, no, that doesn't happen. That's very cool. I, I like that a lot. Like I said, this is a whole new world of games for me. Mm -hmm. One of the things you had mentioned there, though, that I wanted to touch on was playtesting. So did mm -hmm. you do all the playtesting yourself, or did you have a couple other people check it out first? I did all of the playtesting myself. Um, I only playtested it a couple times, um, only with a couple of the characters. I still personally haven't even played all of the archetypes um i only played the gunslinger and i think i think the doctor is the other one i played okay compared to other games then how does playtesting work for a journaling game because the rules seem a little bit looser in this style of of tabletop role-playing game the point of playtesting at least for me with this game was kind of just what do do these events make sense in in the fiction? Okay, and do they have narratively interesting outcomes, or are they just fun? Like, if it's narratively interesting <laughs> or it's fun, that's really all you 
want from a solo game. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of all playtesting was. I would play through something, and I'd be like, well, that event kind of just happened and then went away, and nothing changed. And it was kind of just a character walked up and talked to me. And I, that was really boring. So I'd delete that, and I'd rewrite <laughs> it. I'd replace it with something else. All right. For the audience, then, could you explain kind of how you generate these different scenes? Because you can play this game a lot with very different stories as run-throughs of it. Uh, and that's one of the things I really like about it is the replayability of it. So how does getting different events work in this game? There's a, a random table with 2d6. You roll on it. Uh, you use the value of the dice separately to determine what event okay. you pick off of the table. Um, and I, I tried to make some of the events not character-specific, but more tied into what the characters are good at there's a couple events that say if x character is here like you don't roll dice instead y event happens okay um to try and like give a little more reason for the different character archetypes because uh... there's a fine line in such a narrative game between um actually unique characters that have different effects on the world versus just you making things up. Yeah. Okay. So this was one of the coolest things about and the gunslinger followed that I wanted to talk about because it is an optional rule that kind of puts a bit of a tailspin on this and makes it not exactly a soloing game, but something you could play with a small group. Can you talk about the options for group play? Yeah, um, that that actually came about. Uh, my partner helped me write this game a good amount, um, and originally the game was going to be solely a solo game. It was going to be the gunslinger chasing the cowboy. There weren't char originally character archetypes. There were just going to be a bunch of mm -hmm. random events. And okay. while my partner and I were sitting there just bouncing ideas back and forth, we had the thought of, like, what if you do... Because we had the idea of playing it together, and we were like, well, what if we do want to... We have to include more characters, and my first idea was, like, all right, one player's always the gunslinger and his allies. And okay. my partner did not like that, and actually very pushed me <laughs> to um, change it so you can freely pick between them, and I think that actually ended up making it a better game, personally, because... Yeah feel like every game having the gunslinger in it would have gotten boring after a little while yeah but yeah the cooperative is essentially a tr changes it from a solo rpg to a gm-less rpg where when one person decides on an event the player to their left takes on a pseudo gm role for that one event okay so they they describe the outcome or they they narrate it. How does it work? They they would describe the outcome, um, because I feel like with journaling you get a lot more time to kind of revise and make sure a thing fits the narrative you're trying to build. And if you're just speaking to a group, it's um, without somebody arbitrating, it can sometimes be like 
you feel like you're just playing pretender on the table. Like it, it things don't <laughs> always make sense because you haven't had the time to go over it any at all. So I think yeah. giving passing off the arbitration of the um, outcomes gives a lot more like plausibility to the world. I don't know what the word would be, okay. but like taking it one person decides oh i'm gonna do this thing and they roll the dice um and one person decides how to interpret the dice Mm, okay it makes it a lot more material it does okay that's really cool so at its core this game is really straightforward it consists of five rounds before a finale and that finale event's determined based on the outcome of the five rounds. And during those five rounds, you can gain conditions. Before we get into a talk about how finales work in this game, can you talk a little bit about what conditions are and how they work for each character? Yeah, sure. Um, conditions work more or less the same for every character. I just wanted something other than, oh, you hit zero hit points, you died. Your game is over. Mm. Because I felt like, especially in a solo RPG, that's very narratively unsatisfying because game just kind of ends there. If somebody dies in a group... There are better ways to fail. A, narrati- yeah. a narrative can spin out of that. But if the one yeah. player at the table dies, it's... So conditions <laughs> are basically just penalties you accrue as you go on this quest for vengeance or whatever your character's motivation is. Each archetype has their own motivation. But, like, you're pushing yourself through all of these bad situations and you're just building up penalties as you struggle to get to the cowboy in the end. And each condition will actually have give you a penalty on your final roll in the end. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. So those conditions make that last event a little bit trickier or harder. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they, they might even affect the clock, if I'm correct, right? Yes, there is the clock, which is just, uh, I felt that you can only take, with a D6 system, you can only take a few conditions before it's like, well, you just, you just can't win now. Yeah. Like, there's five events. If you get a condition in each one, your roll, first roll is (laughs) guaranteed to be a one or a negative number even. And that's... Mm -hmm just not fun so i wanted a, a balance between you take a condition to avoid the the cowboy from escaping or you can add to the clock and kind of push that like he's a little bit getting a little bit farther out of your reach and you're kind of pushing it a little bit because one wrong thing happening can make him escape yeah that's that makes sense to me it's uh, a total different spin on how the game really works in that part and it helps create the narrative of, I said narrative really weird there. It, <laughs> <laughs> it helps create the narrative that this this cowboy could get away from you at any point. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you in on like a little secret here is that how the clock is constructed, it's it's pretty difficult for the, it's extremely difficult for the, the cowboy to get away. Yeah. It's kind of just there as a threat of like, it puts narrative pressure on you without actually putting like mechanical pressure on you and also mm-hmm. gets you to take a couple conditions. Yeah. 
I think that makes sense. It's if you go into this game where you're running across the desert, and even if you, as the narrator and journaling and the player of this game, go through this huge treacherous journey and you come out without a scratch, it it's not nearly as narrative satisfying as the doctor who pulled themselves across the desert to find this person. Exactly, yeah. All right, so one of the things that you told me about before we actually started recording was the Solo But Not Alone bundle, and you said that was a huge inspiration on why you went out and and made this game. What's Solo But Not Alone? I've personally never heard of it. Solo But Not Alone is uh, a bundle. This is the second year that it is happening. Um, it's run by Cat. You might know her as Catling Gun. She runs Peach Garden Games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and she did this last year, and she's doing it again, where people who've made solo games can submit their games to this bundle, and all the proceeds go to Jasper's Game Day, which is a charity for suicide oh, prevention. That's great. Um, last year, I think there were 74 games in the bundle, and it was wow. $10. <laughs> um. And they raised $31,000. Wow. Um, and this year, we ended up with 101 games in the bundle. Again, for $10. Yeah. Um, I think we've hit, like, 40% of our goal already, and there's still, like, a month left in the bundle. Um, but the reason it, it really pushed me to create this game is because my partner and I had written about two pages of it. We had written the okay. narrative ideas of the archetypes down, and we had yeah. written down the basic setting, and then okay. it sat in my Google Drive for about a month and a half, mm. just untouched. And I saw the... I, I'm in kind of the same circle as Kat, so I, you know, end up talking to her a lot, and I saw her mention the um, Solo But Not Alone bundle, it's like that sounds like a great thing to contribute to. I have a month to make a solo game now. <laughs> I didn't know that. I that's incredible. I I'll definitely have to spread the word about this one really heavy because the the roots of where this came from is just so much I I people here on the show might be aware but I work as a youth coordinator and mm -hmm. I work with kids. So that kind of topic it's it's a really um not sensitive that's not the right but, but important yeah that's and as it should be for anybody like jasper's game day i think is an incredible an incredible organization and event I, i'm not even mm -hmm. sure what i would consider it but i think it's incredibly important for people to in the tabletop role-playing game space to know about mm -hmm. so knowing that you did that to contribute to this like that it's it's really sweet which is <laughs> hilarious especially if you know about <laughs> we we talked a little bit about the dark tower series and some of the uh it's, events that happened in it depressing <laughs> it's it's it, yeah it's it's an amazing series uh but a real bad time for the characters yeah <laughs> <laughs> um go read the dark tower it's very good <laughs> i agree yeah so um this was actually the first game i did the layout on also i did all of that 
was actually on vacation at the time I did most of the work on this because I was okay. working at the time. Um, we're in the process of moving, so I'm like not quite full time right now while we're trying to figure that out. Mm. But yeah, at the time I was working full time. Um, yeah. And so always very tired and didn't get much work done. And I went on, <laughs> went on vacation and immediately just started writing a lot. And it's just like, oh, I can like finish the writing on vacation. I had the project submitted like four days into vacation to the bundle already. Oh, wow. Because I just sat down and I was just like, I I just had time in the day again. So I'd sit down and I'd write for a little bit and be like, wow, I've been here for four hours. <laughs> it's kind of like me in editing. I'll sit down and be like, oh, I'll just do <laughs> 10 minutes of editing. And then I'm <laughs> absorbed into it. I love mm -hmm. finding out about these like people's passions when they come down to it. So it sounds like, to me at least, that you have a real soft spot for writing. And you did mention being a bit of a having a hobby of writing small indie games. What other experiences like? What are some of your other games and like? What are some of the experiences you learned that brought you to to writing this one? Um, I am a person who gets burnt out on a project if I sit too long on it, if I work on just the one project. So I have this Google Drive folder filled with like 10, 12 things, all in various stages of completion that I kind of just cycle through over and over <laughs> again. And I work a few days on each one. Um, and it's kind of just you poke at it until you get a really good idea and then you write for a week and then it's done. Um, that's what happened with, and the gunslinger followed. I poked at it for a little bit and then I was like, Jasper's game day is really cool. I sat down to write it one day and then all of a sudden it's just like done in front of me. <laughs> um, yeah. So honestly, right now I don't have a lot of projects out, but I have a lot in various yeah. stages of completion that have, I, I learn things as I, I write it down and I come to look at it like a month later and I'm like, wow, I hate all of this um <laughs> i'm sorry no, it's okay. <laughs> <sighs> but you you grew as an author when you wrote this and as a designer so you were able to revise those projects as you went along mm-hmm yeah, there's a few that uh, I've actually advertised. I had already been advertising on Twitter, and then I did the whole cycle thing, and I came back to it, and I'm like, this project doesn't work. It the mechanics just don't work well <laughs> together, and so there are things that I have advertised heavily on Twitter that yeah. are in a stage of like complete rewrite. Ugh. <laughs> uh. You know what, though? That's that's one of my favorite things about early game projects is when it starts off as one idea and then it just totally tailspins into something else. Mm -hmm. Jordan, you had mentioned that you had actually played a couple of other solo games before you you ended up writing and The Gunslinger followed. Who mm -hmm. would you think is the best audience for games like that? Um, I think there's such a wide like they're so varied in the different solo games that exist that i think journaling games which is what and the gunslinger followed is work best with mm. 
people who want to be writers, basically. Games where you okay. just fully get into the head of one character and you just think through like, all right, this event happened to them and it had this outcome. How would they view it and how would uh, you analyze like everything about a character and just decide like, oh, how would they view it and how would they write about it and how do they write? Um, mm-hmm. And there are a lot of other solo games uh i think a very popular one is iron sworn which goes the complete opposite direction that game is like a hundred pages long and it's a solo complex dungeon crawler (laughs) and i read through that and i was like this is a game that i never want to play not because it's bad but because if I'm memorizing that many rules, it needs to be for arbitrating a game system between multiple people. Like Mm -hmm. if if I'm playing by myself, I'm doing a narrative thing. Yeah. Something else that I think is really cool about this is specifically that you're not narrating and journaling as at least it's not set up to be designed as a third person. There's a huge prompt to be journaling as the character and that's where the role play mm-hmm. comes from and i think that's super interesting because you do get into the head of that character that way yeah i got that idea from um it's called thousand year old vampire and it's uh, another very popular solo journaling game uh that i have not actually even played i just read through it and was like i love this idea of just prompts and writing from the point of view of that character okay so it's it's like a very similar design to Thousand Year Old Vampire then. Yeah. Um from that standpoint at least. Yeah, pretty much. Um there aren't like playable characters or anything in Thousand Year Old Vampire. It's, yeah. I would say it's possibly less mechanical even than and the gunslinger followed. It is purely a narrative experience. Okay. And that's really where journaling games come down. I also thought that the best people for this style of game after reading this was somebody who wants to write a short story, more or less. So maybe not doing writing down all the events in that, but this is definitely a really cool way to get a character idea down on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of solo games that are you know, less focused towards that, but I really like, I struggle how to describe it. I think Matthew Colville said it best. He talks about when he plays a character, he doesn't care about um, being like dramatic or anything. He wants his characters to feel real. Yes. When he speaks, it's not the most dramatic and it might not even be things you remember, but his characters feel like real people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat. I That's how I prefer to play my characters as well. Jordan, we've been going for a little bit now, and mm. I've been I've, I've learned a lot about this game, and I've learned a lot about soloing games because, once again, totally new for me, and I plan on playing this more once we finish up <laughs> and I wait for this episode to render out. <laughs> so some questions that I ask at the end of each episode gonna pop up right now because i think they're important and a lot of people seem to like hearing them what advice can you give to someone wanting to make their own game but they don't really know where to start they don't have a whole lot of experience in designing 
what what are some things that you think are important for people to take root in and get themselves started on a project? Honestly, I would say where a lot of my projects start with that kind of thing is just you look at a thing you think is cool and you're like, that's cool and all, but what would my take on it be? I, I've seen mechanics or I've seen settings that I've really loved, but I don't love other parts of it. And rather than mm-hmm. like bash things for that, you're like, well, if I were to build something around that mechanic, you know, how would I build it? Yeah. I've I've got a few projects in the work right now that are just like I read through other people's games and were like, you know, I really love how how narrative this is, but I think it might be uh, not mechanical enough. How would I make this kind of game more mechanical? With with and the gunslinger followed. It was I read through Thousand Year Old Vampire and I was like, I do like the prompt system and writing back in character um but like i I just basically attached that basic idea to a setting that i i liked a lot more that i felt a lot more attached to yeah that's that's really solid advice and we recently talked about srds and hacks on another episode Mm -hmm. so it's even starting off there would probably work really well with your advice too i think that SRDs are a great place to start because like my very first project that I can remember was built out of the Lumen SRD and it's, it uh-huh. sits unfinished still, but like it was a great <laughs> thing to read through. And like, you basically just read through somebody else's work and you just think about like, well, what kind of game does do these mechanics work for? What kind of setting, what yeah. mechanics would I add? What would I get rid of? Yeah. People on the show, who have listened to a lot of episodes know that I am a huge fan of the Lumen SRD schedule for launch started as a place for me getting really, really frustrated that Mm -hmm. I couldn't make a game. And then it went to me playing other games and Mm -hmm. liking indie games and then asking why not more people are playing these smaller titles. Mm -hmm. And the Lumen SRD is one specifically that I've worked with when I've gone back to writing and I really like it. It's like 20, 25 pages long. It's super yeah. short. But I've it's got like the, really I've got solid. the physical copy on my desk right now. <laughs> <laughs> One day, Spencer Campbell, I'll get you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only physical SRD I own, and it's one of the few physical RPGs in general that I own. Wow. Yeah, it's I I like it a lot. And there's a there's so many great ones, so... SRDs are phenomenal if you're just starting Mm -hmm. out. Jordan, where can people find more about you and and The Gunslinger Followed? Um, The best place would probably be on Twitter. Um, My my at on Twitter is very weird. It's (laughs) Mechanico McLeod, but McLeod is spelled like a Scottish last name. (laughs) It's it's a, a weird, complicated spelling that I made when I was not trying to build up a bunch of followers. And so people didn't need to search for it. (laughs) Uh, You can also find me on itch.io under the name Hypnos. That's about it. (laughs) As always, audience, those links are going to be down in the description below. Go check out And the Gunslinger Followed. It's really fun. 
I've been loving it, especially if you like writing. Even if you're not a huge fan of tabletop role-playing games, this is phenomenal for writers and anybody who wants to improve their character study. Because I think that this game works best for me personally as a character study of an archetype. And just, it's very good. It's very fun. It's super simple and easy to learn. So go check it out. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast this week. I had a great time. And like I said, yep. learned a whole bunch. Thank you for inviting me on here. Like I said, I think before, maybe at the beginning <laughs> of the episode, that this is the first thing I have been asked to be on rather than asking to be on it. Well, I hope a lot more people invite you on because, <laughs> like, you, you got to grow, man. You got to <laughs> build yourself up there. This is great. And I think you're doing a great job with something small. And I loved hearing that this was made in part with Jasper's Game Day. So, yeah, yeah thanks for doing that. Thank you that. so much. No problem at all. Audience, thank you for listening. Hypnos and the Gunslinger followed. They've already launched, so go pick them up on Itch. Take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful night. I'll see you on the next one. Bye now. Thank you so much to Hypnos for coming onto the show this week. And the Gunslinger Followed is a game that I've played twice now, and I think it has some great story prompts. I, it's a lot of fun. Go pick it up on Jordan's Itch page. It's like $3. It's super cheap, and it's going to give you a lot, of, a lot of hours of entertainment. And thank you for listening, audience. Last week, we did break that 800 listener count. So thank you. A ton of people have recently talked to me about coming and joining us on the show. So there's going to be a lot more great projects coming and a couple returning faces who are going to be showing off some new stuff. If you like the show and you want to hear more, please let someone know. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. And also go give us a, a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those stars really help pump up our discoverability. And they get new people on the show and they get new people talking. Also join the Discord. There are tons of great creators there. And we're still looking for playtesters, artists, and more people to interact with. The next episode will be out February 1st, which is technically our one-year anniversary. So I'm really excited to be talking to whoever comes onto the show. And I hope to see you there. Take care of yourselves. Have a great night. Bye.